Welcome back to the Cattle Menu Podcast. I'm Caroline Rose, the founder and CEO of K Rose Company and Cattle Menu. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm excited to bring you these conversations each week filled with relatable advice and techniques you can take back to your operation. It's my mission to make sure that we can ranch in the next generation. Make sure and subscribe where you're listening so you never miss a new episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Menu Podcast. I am joined by Jesse today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be invited. Why don't you start and just introduce yourself and then tell us how you're involved in the agriculture industry, which is in multiple areas. And so I'm really excited for you to dive into that. Absolutely. So my name is Jesse Jarvis. I am the founder of a company called Of the West, which is a job platform for agriculture and Western industries. But prior to that, I grew up and still live on my family's cow-calf operation. I am the third generation. We ranch here in Southern Idaho. So I am somebody being born, raised, and still very active in the ranching lifestyle. And I can tell you that there's nothing that I would rather do. Like I said, I grew up on my family's operation in Southern Idaho and I went to college and right out of college, I worked for our state's cattle association as their communications director. And I spent a few years there before moving back to the ranch. And at that time, I had kind of envisioned myself continuing to work and focused on my career but life had other plans. So my mom um, had some health issues and my parents were looking to hire somebody else to work on our operation. And at that time I thought, well, who better to work on our operation than me? Because I wanted to put myself in a position where I knew that I would take over our ranching operation at some point in my life. And so I wanted it to be at a time where I could learn from my parents and work with them every day outside of when I was in high school and you know, lived with them in the summers because that's a very different growing up and working in the business than it is when you are there full time every day of your life. So I wanted to have the opportunity to work alongside my parents to learn and to grow versus being thrown into a situation that I know so many people have been thrown into in their lives and kind of feel inadequate or unprepared. So I came back to the ranch and that's been about 10 years ago. And since then, I have gotten married to my husband, Justin, and we have two little kids. And then a couple of years ago, I launched a platform called Of the West. As I mentioned earlier, we are a job platform that focuses specifically on jobs in the agriculture and Western industry. And one of the things that I know as somebody in the last 10 years who has been a newly college graduate looking for an internship or that full-time job right out of college somebody who was looking to make a career change later on in my career, somebody who has been on the hiring end of the table, whether it was in that office situation, in that office setting, or on our own operation here on the ranching side, is it can be very difficult and very challenging to find the right person for the right job, whether you are a job seeker or an employer. I've never heard either party say, I'm so excited to go look for a new job, or I'm so excited to go hire a new employee. Both of them, I would say 90% of us dread doing. But at the end of the day, jobs are critical to the future of our industries. So I wanted to create a one single place 
where both job seekers and employers could come, connect together, find one another, and make the hiring process in our industries a lot easier long term. You are involved in the agriculture industry in multiple different facets that you just went through. And I think that's one of the unique things about you is you're really good at being in your role and being like really focused when it seems as the days that you're mom, you're really good at that. Like the days you do of the West. And I really admire that because I think that we ask a lot of women in general, how do you juggle it all? And how do you do it all? How do you balance it all? And we know that's not a thing, right? There's no balance. There's no juggling. <laughs> I mean, it's a circus every day. No, you know, you're so spot on. And I think one thing too, when we when we talk about balance, because I know a lot of people who they get mad when you say, when we talk about balance, right? And I think flipping that coin, I think that we as people assume that the word balance means that it's easy, right? That it's flawless, that it's effortless. And I think that that is the misconception. I think that you can balance things, but it's not necessarily comfortable. It's not flawless. It's not without a lot of work and effort. It's not this like picturesque vision that we have of some mom who can do it all, all the time, or, you know, a wife who can do it all, all the time. But I will say, and I've likened it to paper plates. Some of the plates in life that I have are paper and others are glass or, you know, fine china. And I know which of those plates are the paper ones that I can drop and pick up at a later date. And I know which ones are fine china. And if I drop them, they are going to shatter and I'm not going to be able to bring them back to life. There is definitely, it's taken me a while to figure out each of those roles and how they change based on their seasons and really getting comfortable with that. And as soon as you get comfortable with it, I will be the first to tell you it changes. What was paper is now fine china and vice versa. So as soon as you have it figured out, it all changes. But I will say that I do try very hard to be focused on that one thing at that time. So on the weekends, when our kids don't have daycare and they don't have school, I try not to open my computer because that is their time. It's also the time that they are going to get to spend the most time on the ranch, right? Because now Jet D is school aged. So five days out of the week or four days out of the week, I guess, because we're a four day school week, but four days out of the week, he's at school. So those other three days, that is his time to get out on the ranch and be involved in our operation. And so I need to facilitate that not only for me, but for him to encourage him, you know, to to encourage him to really get involved, you know, just light that spark of why he'll love our lifestyle, or at least that we hope that he will. And at the same time, when it comes to of the West things, I know that that is what I'm focused on in that moment. And, you know, if there's ranch stuff happening that day, I can't feel guilty about not being there because I'm doing what I'm meant to do. And when I'm on the ranch, you don't necessarily know that I'm there because I and I feel like this is probably going to get me in some hot water because this is me saying that you can't document your ranch life and also be good help at the same time. And that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But I don't necessarily show much of me being on the ranch because when I am there, I am an active participant. And so that is my job. That is my duty. That is what I'm there to do. And, you know, that that's my focus for the day. It's not necessarily showing it off to everybody else, which again, I know that somebody's going to take offense to that. That's not what I mean by it. But it goes back to that idea of me being very focused on my intention and what I'm set out to do that, that day. 
I think you're absolutely right about that. I have a hard time with that too. I get a lot of flack from people and they're like, well, you never really work on the ranch. I'm like, no, I do. You just don't see it because my dad, if I'm there, that means it's a big day. We're doing something. It's my cap, you know, something to where I'm needed. And if I have my phone out, my, I can already hear my dad. Put that away. Pay attention. Do you see her? Sort her off, you know? And and so it's really hard. But I get a lot of people who ask, like, do you actually work on your family's operation? Do you ever help around the place? I'm like, yeah, but you just will never, unless someone else is taking photos and videos of me, I can't do both because both my dad and brother will be like, why'd you let that one by? What are you doing? Is it that important, you know? And so... I think that that just says something because there's a lot of people out there who are on ranches and can't share it. And so, which means the people who share, it's 10 times more important, right? Because we need people who can do both. My operation just, my dad just doesn't let us have our phone out and record why we're trying to get a lot of stuff done if I'm in an employee role that day. So I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I think, it just makes me when I look at you and when I watch, follow you guys on social media, one of the things I think you've done really well is incorporate some things from corporate America into your guys's family structure. And I say that as a compliment because I know you do a lot of goal setting. I know you do personal development. And I think in agriculture, we've actually gotten away from that in production act. I mean, we don't talk about missions and values and, you know, all of that in and on ranches. And I think that's one of the things, one of the reasons why you are able to have a family, run a ranch, have a business is because you have added a little bit more structure to your guys' operation than I think most operations have. Well, and I will say, I think that as far as the goal setting stuff, it's a lot easier to set goals for myself and for Of The West than it is for our ranching operation. And I and I think maybe this is why goal setting is not as prevalent on egg operations because so much is out of our control, right? We may set this goal to have this you know, amazing crop or more tonnage or whatever it is, and then Mother Nature comes in and wrecks our plans. And if you are somebody who is very goal-driven, that can be really defeating. And we already know that, you know, a lot of, of ranch life and farm life can be defeating and, you know, there's a lot of mental health issues and whatnot. And so if you're very, very focused on the end result and your end result doesn't happen as expected or as anticipated, then that can lead to a lot of issues. So when it comes to our goal setting for Justin and I and our operation aside from my parents, because we have a lot more ownership, obviously, in our own set of things than we do with our parents and my family operation. You know, our goal is not always to get bigger because that's not sustainable long term. But we always have a goal to raise a calf that is going to wean at a higher weight than it did the year before. Again, dependent on those other factors like mother nature. If we're in a drought and we wean a calf that was the same the same size as what we did last year, we're still going to take that as a win because our, you know, available resources that year were not as great as the year before. Are you trying to find the right planner to start the new year with? Look no further. We've created the Cattle Menu Planner for ranch wives, mothers, and daughters who are looking for the perfect place to capture all of their thoughts throughout the year. 
Our planner is the perfect guide to help you get your operation started. In the Cattle Menu Planner, Paving Your Path, you will create the foundation for your operation, set goals, and learn how to implement them. We've included our customer favorite blank calendar pages so you can start when you're ready. Grab yours today at cattlemealive.com backslash planner. But there's things like that that we always we always try to focus on because that's part of what helps us enjoy the journey and not just the end result. I think that that's something that is very, very important, especially in our lifestyle. And honestly, something that we probably do a better job at appreciating than other industries. We do enjoy the journey because that's what we like about our lives, right? We enjoy that we get to work out in nature and that we get to surround ourselves with animals and we get to be a steward of the land. And And I think that that is really enjoying that journey But having those goals is something that's really, really important to us on our ranch, but then also as far as of the West and then personally as well. And you do quite a bit of personal development. Have you always been someone who, you know, is kind of hungry for the next book, hungry for always being better? I mean, is that just who you are? Because I really think that we could see such an incredible shift in the way we run operations if we... I hate, I mean, it acted more like corporate America and did some personal development every quarter or, you know, had some some business structure in there. But that's something I think you do well is always trying to be better and educating yourself throughout the journey. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, I think t- um, my first taste in personal development was when I first worked at Idaho Cattle Association. And at the time I was right out of college and obviously with an industry association, you don't get a huge salary. But what my boss did is he said every year you get to you can go to a conference, you can go, you know, do something for personal development and we will pay for it because he knew that that investment in me then was an investment in their company because I would come back and I would take what I learned and I was going to implement it in my work. So even though he was investing in me and not necessarily the company as a whole or the association as a whole, I was going to invest that knowledge back into the association, which was then going to pay for that initial investment. And so I remember actually the first, you know, the first personal development uh, conference that I ever went to was the Livestock Publications Council, because I was in charge of the magazine that we published, and I didn't necessarily know much about magazines. So if I was going to be in charge of it, I needed to learn a whole lot more. And I remember coming back from that trip, it was in Albuquerque, and it changed my life as far as just learning what was possible. It also showed me the value of networking because when I showed up, I didn't know a single soul. And then I thought, holy cow, I want to be the person that when I go somewhere, I know anybody and everybody. And so I will say that networking is absolutely what has helped me get my career to where it is today and not as somebody who who only uses my network to benefit me but just like the importance of having a network and how I've gotten to where I am I fully credit that you know you have to have a strong network and those personal development opportunities are often where you build those because you're around different people and you're around new people but as far as our industries as a whole I think a lot of people say okay well I'm a rancher what can I do for personal development if you are not going to an annual meeting of some kind I highly encourage you to do that, whether that is a BQA certification, whether that is with your states, 
Cattle Association, whether it's on a national level, whatever it may be, I think that there is a lot that you can learn. And there are a number of events out there that are very affordable, that are timed in a time where you should be able to attend. And I really, really encourage you to do it. If you are somebody who you're already going, if you, and again, I'm going to use the, the example of a rancher. If you're a rancher and you're already going to those industry events and you think, man, I still want something new or I want something more. What is something that you want to learn? Do you want to be a better horseman? Because that has the power to impact your operation. So go to a clinic, go learn from somebody who you admire in that side of the industry. You know, if you, if you work with dogs and you want to have better stock dogs, go be somebody who is continually learning. Because even if you think, well, yeah, we have dogs, but how, how is that really going to benefit my operation if I get better at it? But it betters you and it encourages you and it, it puts you in a position where you are forced to rise to your higher self, as corny as that may sound. And any time that we're pushed and put into that situation, we get stronger because of it. And if you are getting stronger, everything around you is going to get stronger too, whether it is a direct result or not. So, you know, I think that there are a lot of opportunities out there for us. I think you kind of have to be creative in what those may be. But if you are not doing some kind of personal development I highly encourage you. And the other thing too is it doesn't have to be something that you go and do. Although I will say going and doing is great because it gets you out of your comfort zone, which is important. It gets you off your operation. You get to see how, you know, other people do things and you get to network in person, which is huge. But if you're somebody who does not have the means, whether that is financially or the time to get off your operation or get out of your business and go somewhere, you're listening to a podcast. So I assume that you listen to podcasts. Continue to listen to podcasts though. There's so much free information out there, whether it is something like this, whether it's a, you know, a video on YouTube or an audiobook, there is so much knowledge out there. Podcasts, audiobooks, YouTube. I think that those are all really really good ways if you're somebody who is more interested on the course side of things. I know you guys have a lot of great courses, but at the end of the day, there is truly no excuse. We've never had more information available to us aside from this time, except tomorrow. There's probably going to be more information out there tomorrow, but there is no excuse for you to not want to go learn something new and find the means to do so. Personal development is incredible. And you're right. I mean, we have audiobooks, there's podcasts, there's YouTube, right? We call it YouTube University around here. You can learn anything and everything you need to learn on YouTube. And I think the difference is, is the shifting from we've always done it this way to there might be something new, not even that committing to there's something new, just that thought process that out there in the industry, we might see, we might hear of something that we want to implement into our operation. One of the ones that we recently have implemented, well, I've really worked with the children to implement this. And my dad loves when the processing shed doors are closed at the end of the day and they get left open by all the employees, by my siblings, everything like that. And so I have made a huge habit stacking point to talk to my niece and nephew. You turn the light off and you shut the door. And I say it out loud. I learned, you know, I read Habit Stacking, which is an incredible book. But 
I said, you shut the light off and you close the door. And if we don't close it, we go back and we shut the light off and we close the door. And my nephew, who is seven, said to me, do we close the door because it's important to Papa? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, so we just need to make this a habit. And I said, we do. It needs to be a habit for you. But the only way he'll remember at seven is if I stack it with something else and he knows to turn the light off. But I even just reading that book, I was like, think about how, I mean, it's a little thing on our operations, right? But it's something that really matters to my dad. And so I think that we just, I mean, we have so much knowledge out there, but I was just interviewing someone for the podcast who leases bulls before they sell them in their sale. And I was talking to them about the risk that that must have been the very first time. And I can only imagine what operations would look like today if we took a little bit more calculated risks on trying something new, whether that be having a team meeting once a week, whether that be adding a new income stream hiring out, outsourcing, like there's just so much opportunity in agriculture that I feel like sometimes we get stuck in a rut. Oh, and you know, this is a tough one. I've actually, I've probably overanalyzed this topic, but I've often thought because our industry is obviously, we are notorious for not liking change. So I've asked myself, why is that? Why do we not like change? And while I think that everybody, I don't think anybody necessarily loves change, even if we say we do, if it's our idea to do it, then we're all about it. But when it's somebody else's idea, there's not one single person on this earth who is always on board for change, whether it's their idea or not, right? But I will say, I think one of the reasons our industries doesn't love change is because when it comes to doing things the way we've always done them, I think that's how we think we can mitigate risk because there are a lot of things, as I mentioned earlier, that we can't control, right? They're out of our control. But if you can control everything else, then we think we're mitigating this risk of what we can't control. And so we hold tight to what we can control. But in reality, if we changed, we would still have a really good time at mitigating that risk. So, and I do understand, like I fully wholeheartedly understand why that is, because our industries are so risky, whether it is, you know, financially, whether it is personally, you know, whatever that may be. And that like, it kind of breaks my heart because I really truly do believe that's why we don't love risk or that's why we don't love change is because we're trying to mitigate risk as much as we can. But at the same time, I think of how great things could be if we would be more willing to evolve. I think about that often too. I almost get sad when I think about or when I meet with farmers and ranchers and I hear some of their struggles and I'm like, okay, so do we have some SOPs, standard operating procedures in place? Do we need to write them down? Do we have a handbook where they sign off that they can't drink and drive? Or did you just assume they knew that? And I just think about the heartache that we could save if we just were willing to change a little bit. And the interesting thing about mitigating risk and taking chances is on of the West, you see a lot of these agriculture companies kind of evolving. I mean, I know you did a poll recently on LinkedIn about virtual jobs and I was talking to my grandma. So to give you a little back story that will help with this quickly, my grandparents had a Charlet operation in Jerome, Idaho. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where my dad grew up. And my grandpa was the eye doctor in town. So we owned an eye clinic in Drome and one in Sun Valley. And 
That's what he did. And my grandma farmed, which back then was probably not heard of very often. No. She did all the farming. And so immediately, you know, she grew up, women can be into agriculture. I mean, she did everything that was involved in mitigating risk. And she was the one that made all the decisions. And I remember when we talked to her about doing some unique things, such as setting goals. And she got her pilot's license in the 70s because she was like, one, I wanted to have a little bit more freedom. The ranch didn't give me any freedom. And then she said, we would always fly to bull sales. So why not fly myself. Like, why would I be paying someone to fly when I could take myself and we could go? And so it's just really interesting when we think about where one, where businesses have come from. But the other thing is I recently sat down with my grandma and I said, what would your grandparents think about the fact that people work from home? And she said, oh, they'd be mind blown. She was like, I've always been kind of on cutting edge of change. But she said, I can only imagine what they would think about that you can have a job in Washington, D.C. and you can do it from your desk in Montana. And it's something we take for granted, like how how much change there actually has been in some of the industries. And you see a ton of that in Of the West. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? That is so funny that you say that because I can't I truly cannot imagine what they would think as far as you can work in a place where at this time, right, there was no email. If you wanted to write a letter, I mean it took weeks to get there and just how slow business moved in general for that reason. And yes, when it comes to what of the West does, obviously we are a place where you can post any kind of job, whether it is full-time, part-time, a seasonal job, a temporary position, an internship. If you're looking for contract labor on a farm or ranch and, you know, is anything as high up to a, the CEO of, um, you know, a, a company. So, I never like to put us in a box, but I do say that we are in a box because we go from the farming side to the equine side and everything from the bottom to the top and everything in between. But I will say that I am very passionate about remote work and agriculture because I think that one, it gets us a bigger and brighter talent pool. Because if we specifically are looking for people to come into an office, then we have what, a 30 mile? maybe a 45 mile radius that we're working with. Um, I don't think that many people are willing to commute 60 miles every day. I know that some do it. If you are out there listening to this and you are that, you are a road warrior. I don't know how you do it. But for the majority of companies, you're kind of looking in that 30 to 45 mile radius. In rural America, that's not a very large population that you get to choose from. So if you have remote opportunities, you are opening that up to anybody and everybody in the whole U.S., and you can get 10 times the talent that you can get in your local area. The other thing that I think too, and when it comes to remote, I think a lot of people think, well, how do I know that somebody's getting their work done? You don't just have to have it to where you absolutely never see that person. You can have a hybrid role or a flex role where maybe there's travel on a monthly basis where they come into the office or maybe on a quarterly basis where they come in so that you guys can continue to meet, you know, whether that's for meetings or leadership team or, you know, whatever that is, their remote work doesn't mean I have an employee that I pay and I never see them. Uh, And I think that that's kind of a misconception. But I also think of how I think of the impact that remote work can have on our industries because how many, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to use a stereotype. I'm going to make a lot of people mad in this episode, (laughs) but 
How many people do we know where their husband, let's talk about women for this example, their husband has a farm or ranching operation, right? It's a family operation. You can't move a family ranching or farming operation outside of your location, right? So a your spouse, your, a wife, right? She comes to her husband's family operation. She's got probably three different opportunities. She can work at the school. She can work at the clinic. She could work like the city hall or, you know, post office, somewhere like that, right? There's usually in rural America, there's not a ton for job opportunities. So that is kind of limiting to her because she also is going to need to help her husband on occasion or run the kids back and forth. She she still has to be involved to where an eight to five doesn't necessarily work, but she is incredibly talented, right? Remote work is the gig for her because it allows her to have a purpose. It allows her to use her talents and what she is insanely gifted at to help another company in agriculture. She's bringing in income. That income then helps supplement her family farming, ranching operation income. They are likely going to put that money back into their local community with groceries and things like that. So it's the, you throw the pebble in the pond and the ripple just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And so in that case, you have you have a great talent in your team. You've opened up that pool. You are giving purpose to somebody else. You are helping to supplement somebody else's on-farm or on-ranch income, which is absolutely huge. That money is then going into the local community, which is hopefully going to make the local community grow. Like It is the coolest opportunity. And I think that And again, I am also somebody who not every job is fit for a remote opportunity. There are certain jobs that absolutely have to be done in person. And not every person is fit for a remote opportunity. But that is one thing that I hope to see in the next five years within our industries is the option for more remote flex hybrid type roles, because I think that they really, truly have the power to impact rural America and the ag and Western industries in an incredible way. Are you wanting to start a cattle operation or learn new hands-on skills? Our team knows it's hard to find resources when it comes to learning how to vein cattle or how to brand or even what you need in your vet kit. If you're wanting to learn those skills and more, you won't want to miss this year's Profit Finder. With access to over 25 videos and resources, you can learn hands-on skills from the comfort of your own operation. We created this toolbox for any cattle producer just starting out. We went back to the basics and explained everything from the ground up. You can join the waitlist today and learn more at cattlemenulive.com backslash profit finder. One, one of the things you didn't mention is I think for a lot of people who are considering going back to the operation, if the husband or wife can't find a job, that might be the reason that that ranch has a for sale sign on it. Like if they sit down as a family and they say, we can't live off your salary alone, but there is no job for me in this town, or, you know, I don't want to be, I don't have a teaching degree. I don't love teaching or whatever, you know, they kind of go through all the resources and they just look at each other and say, we can't do it. We can't live on one income. There's no job here. And remote work, you know, before remote work was a possibility. I mean, that's the reason some of these places came up for sale. Oh, I completely agree. And I will even say, you know, I was born and raised in the community 
community that we live in now. And there are probably a thousand people in our community. I don't think that there is a job in our town for me. And I say that as somebody who obviously like I know all the jobs, I know all the people, I have the connections. If I wanted the job, I could find it, but there is not the right job for me in our local community. And I know a lot of other people feel the same way. And it's not that it's nothing against my community, but that is the, there is the right person and the right job. And just like a marriage, they need to fit. And there is not the right opportunity in my local town. And I know that that same issue is a common thread amongst a lot of, you know, families that are thinking about going back to the ranch because at the end of the day, it needs to be able to sustain their family and off farm and ranch income is a crucial component of that equation. Absolutely. What other trends are you noticing in of the West in the agriculture careers and job piece? Ooh, you know, this is kind of an interesting one and probably doesn't surprise us, but marketing jobs are on the rise. And I think that's for one of two reasons. One, you are a company who already has a marketing department and marketing is still key and they are adding roles to that department because marketing, you a company cannot live without it. The other hire that we're seeing is companies who have said, oh, well, the you know, whoever's working the front desk, she can also post on our Instagram or, you know, whatever that is. And now as marketing is becoming more of a science, especially on the social side of things, companies, you know, small businesses, entrepreneurs, whatever that may be, are realizing, man, I need somebody that I can have who is fully dedicated to marketing our business, our operation, whatever that is. So marketing positions are by and large the highest percentage of jobs that you see on of the west right now and i i think that those are the two reasons behind that i think marketing i mean we've been in it for eight years but i think it is an industry where people are starting to say one i don't know how to do this myself and which is always it just makes me laugh and i tell people all the time don't feel bad because it changes about every 48 hours. So if you missed one day, don't worry. You probably feel behind, but it's rapidly changing. Oh, no, you're so spot on. I think even even people in marketing don't necessarily know what's happening because it's changing and evolving at such a rapid pace. Yeah, it's incredible. But I think marketing, one, I think people are starting, well, it feels as if sales reps used to be marketing. And we don't cold call like we used to. It's almost like you have to follow them on social media, engage with them on social media, send them a DM or send them an email. Like we have to do the marketing before the cold call works. And I know my dad, you know, 15 years ago, he used to get three, four cold calls a day that 50% of them would probably turn into, you know, business. But that's not a thing anymore as much. We don't do as much cold calling. We do a lot more marketing. No, I think that you are spot on there. Which is good because who wants to cold call? <laughs> it's the worst. I, I tell you what, we have to do a lot of it for Of The West just because we are a newer company. And so there's more people out there who have not heard of us than who have. And I despise the cold calling and the cold emailing. It is the thing that gives me hives. I do not enjoy it, but it is still, you know, that sales and marketing, they truly do go hand in hand. You might've said it on your podcast, but one of the quotes that I live by is the answer is no, if you don't ask. 
And anytime I have to do a sales call, I put that right on my computer and I'm like, okay, the answer is already no, because I haven't even asked. So the worst they could do is keep us in the exact same position. So you might as well just pick up the phone. They could just confirm the answer. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. We have just a couple rapid fire questions and yeah, that will be really fun. So the first is what is your favorite cut of steak and how do you like it? Okay, well, my favorite cut of beef in general is tri-tip, which I get is not a steak, but I I just love it. And I know that's not the answer that you're looking for, but that is the answer that I'm going to give because as the person who is cooking it, you cannot screw it up. Everybody absolutely loves it. It is divine. You don't even need a fork to eat it. You can like eat it with your fingers. I I love to eat it. I love to cook it. So while it's not a steak, tri-tip is still king in my house. That's a great answer. No one said that yet. So I appreciate that. Well, probably because that's not the actual question. (laughs) Well, someone said hamburger. Someone said that they would order a hamburger at any restaurant. They're they're like, no one can really mess up a hamburger. So any kind of steak could be turned into hamburger, I guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, What is an ag industry topic that you think needs talked about, about more in the general media? Ag industry topic that needs talked about more in general media. You know, the first one that comes to mind is mental health, just because that is something that I think that so few people in our industry talk about. But we know, by and large, statistics show it is something that impacts our industries almost more than any other industry out there. So I think that that is something, and while it doesn't necessarily you know, it doesn't help the perception of ag or anything of that nature. It helps the people within ag. And if we don't have healthy people within agriculture, then we don't have a perception to begin with because our industry would cease to exist. So again, not the most, not probably not the answer that you were looking for, but I think that mental health is something that absolutely should be talked about more. It needs to be recognized more. And I will also say that if you are listening to this, you need to be willing to talk to other people about your own mental health. Because I think that that's the other key piece in that equation. And that is we have to be willing to talk about our feelings with other people. We have to be willing to communicate with other people. We have to be willing to ask for help when we need it. And all in all, take care of yourself, take care of one another. But I think that mental health is a huge thing that that we just need to normalize. Well, you're about 50% of people say mental health. So it's obvious that this is a sore spot in the industry that we are not addressing enough. And the one thing we've done several mental health episodes and I'll link them in the show notes. But the one thing that I talk to people about is we have a very negative connotation to mental health. We immediately think anxiety, depression, all of this. And I'm like, let's remove that. Let's make it a neutral world. Let's be having conversations about where we're at mentally, both plus and minus. Because if we talk about it when it's good, if we say, even admit things, I mean, I don't remember the last time my dad and my brother admitted excitement or joy. 
you know, mental health is a lot more than just the negative thing. So like, let's start making that a conversation about, wow, I'm really excited for this weekend, or I'm really excited to look at her heifer calves, or, you know, it brings me a lot of joy to go to bull sales with you. I know it sounds funny, but I think in order to get mental health on the table more, we have to remove the negative connotation. And the best way we can do that is talk about it when it's good. So it's easier to talk about when it's bad. Oh, absolutely. And I will also say if you like on the on the negative side of things too, if you feel less than because you are somebody who struggles with anxiety or depression, you know, or whatever that may be, don't. Like I'll tell you, I have gone to a therapist number of times, right? Because I understand how how important that is, not only for myself, but for my family. Like if I can't show up for me, I can't show up for my family. I can't show up for our oper- operation. I can't show up for Of the West. I can't show up for anybody, right? So you have to fill your own cup before you can fill another cup. Have we? Have, I'm sure that those listening have seen like the tower or the pyramid of champagne glasses, you know, when they pour from the top, you are the champagne glass on the top. And that is how you pour into all other areas of your life is when you are full and your mental health is a paramount piece in that. You'll enjoy this little story. The first time I realized I had ADHD, I called my brother on the phone and I said, so my brother's five years older than me, works on the operation full time. And growing up, I was always the younger sister, never cool, you know, and I thought he was the bee's knees. And now we're really good friends. And I said, did you know that I have ADHD? And he said, yes, welcome to the club. And I said, how long ago did you figure that out? And he's like, not that long ago. And I said, dang, I wish our parents would have gotten us diagnosed as kids. Our life could have been so much easier with some help. And he said, I know. I've thought about that too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is funny. (laughs) So now I see everything with ADHD and I'm like, yep, that's me. And sometimes my dad will say, wow, you guys, to my brother and I, you guys have a hard time focusing during meetings. I'm like, yeah, it's probably genetic. (laughs) Do you think we got it from you or from someone else? But I think one, we're just we have these new words to talk about things. But the other thing is, is we have to talk about the positives of excitement and some of that, that we just as an industry, we're just not always game to talk about feeling. So I encourage you, I'll put the mental health episodes we've had in the show notes, but let's just start talking about overall feelings. And then I think it makes the tough days easier to talk about. Um, Okay, next question. And you, you answer this on your podcast. Well, you ask yes, but I believe you answered it too in one of your first few episodes. But what is your favorite piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh, I might have to switch it up this time because I feel like I've been given a lot of good advice. And I, if I only, if I only um, lay claim on one piece, that I'm forgetting a lot of other good stuff. So, what is the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten? You're never wrong to do the right thing. Although I do think that that's what I typically say. But you know, I think that in the world today, we need more people who are willing to do the right thing. And oftentimes the right thing is not pretty, it is not sexy, it's not dressed cute, but it's the right thing. And it's usually the hard decision, it's not the easy decision. And so usually when I'm faced with two, I take the tough one because I know that that is 90% of the time going to be the right one. So you're never wrong to do the right thing. I think that's great. Okay, the next one's really fun. This is the last one we have. What is your non-career dream job? 
Okay. Again, I don't think I'm answering this in the way you want me to, but I am going to share this. If I, let's say that I won the lottery and I didn't necessarily have to rely on a paycheck to do what I wanted to do, I would go around with a folding chair and a folding table to grocery stores and I would put my little table, I'd put my setup in front of the butcher counter, in front of the meat case, and I would sit there with a little sign that said, I'm a rancher, ask me a question. And I like, I love to go to grocery stores. That is my guilty pleasure, like fancy grocery stores, nice grocery stores. I love to see everything inside of them. I love to see how they're set up. I love to watch people and what they're choosing and what they put back. But I also want to be there to answer people's questions. And can you actually imagine if the, you walked into a grocery store and there were a couple of farmers sitting in the produce section and there was a dairy farmer over in the dairy section and there was a rancher in the meat section. I can only imagine the amazing conversations that could be had and just the overall perception that could change. So if somebody out there is looking for a fun idea, get a grocery store on board with you, get some local producers in your state, maybe make it a little tour, but I think that that'd be really cool. I think that's a great idea. Something similar someone said one time is they would love to be a server at a high-end steak restaurant. They were Ooh. like, I would love to you know, hear people having conversations about what kind of steak they want, how they want it, and ask all the questions. And they're like in their little black pants, white shirt, walking <laughs> around. Um, and this is a person who does not own black pants, for the record. <laughs> they are in jeans only. And so I thought that was really interesting. But it was a similar concept. They're like, I want to know the consumer more. I want to interact with the consumer. And that's how they wanted to do it. So I love that. I think that would be incredible. And when you were saying that, it made me think of the army recruiter guy. It's a robot online that you can ask any question to. I'm like, we need a rancher that they, it's just right there at the meat counter. You can type in your question. You could scan a QR code, whatever it is, and they could pop up on the screen and answer your question. I love that. That would be amazing. Well, thank you so much. It has been great chatting with you. We love your podcast around here at Cattleman U and K-Rose Company. And of course, we love your platform. I'll just give you a little bit of a shout out. We have had the best applicants. And to be honest, we hesitate a little bit to list something on your platform because we get too many applicants <laughs> that we actually have positions that the leadership team at K-Rose Company says Let's try not to list this on Jesse's platform to start with because they all the applicants go to my email and with about 100 unread emails, I just get a little overwhelmed. So it works really well. There's great candidates on there, but be prepared for a ton of high quality applicants for any job that you post on Of The West. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. That, you know, it, it tells us that our daily efforts are really, really not only moving the needle for ourselves, but for the industry as a whole. So thank you for that. That is that you have made my entire day with that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. We'll put everything in the show notes, all of your social media channels and everything like that. And I appreciate your time today. Well, have a great day, you guys. Thanks again for listening to the Cattleman U podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We are thankful to have you in your community. Like always, remember, the grass is greener where you water it.